Rush. Here's Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. I think they look really good. I, I think they're in great shape overall. Um, I don't think there's been many really uh, big injuries. I know our, our roof, our one linebacker with a bicep tear, but I think other than that, everyone else is kind of set to go. And uh, I, think, I think they've looked good. I, I think there's more depth probably than people think. I know the way they work, the guys with the first, second, third, or ABC, different groups or different names, they have all of them. They've, all these guys are ready to play. You know, they all understand what they're doing. Uh, so I'm, I'm anxious to watch them. There's Coach Bob Stoops on with us yesterday on The Rush talking about what he's seen from OU so far in camp. Bob said it multiple times on with it. You can hear him uh, every Tuesday at 3.20, by the way, uh, here on the on the ref. He said it multiple times with us. He likes the, what this team looks like. He likes the overall depth. And when you hear Bob say that, who actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to really college football in general, and then you see Stuart Mandel predict OU as a 7-5 and five team this year, it just makes the t- it just makes the take all that worse, man. And, and I don't for one second believe that Stuart Mandel actually thinks OU is going to roll off a seven and five. At least I hope he doesn't really think that, Travis. But even the most pessimistic fan around here, like I think the low end for OU fans that are more pessimistic about things are saying eight and four, nine and three. I have not heard anyone, not one person outside of Stuart Mandel say that OU is going to roll off a 7-5 and five this year? Yeah, I think 8-4, and four, from what I've heard, uh, again, from if we're looking for the most pessimistic of fans, 8-4 and four is the absolute floor for this team. Again, as we've said before, barring injury to Dylan Gabriel, and I think that's the only thing, I think that's the only position, really, where that injury would take us down to 8-4 and four territory, Maybe, maybe even if 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 that injury happens, a seven-five situation. But if everybody stays healthy, and even if Dylan Gabriel just stays healthy, I think we're deep enough everywhere else for the most part to still sustain eight and four and up. If Dylan Gabriel were to get hurt game one, I still think that with Davis Bevel, this team would be better than a seven and five football team. That's the confidence that I have at the other positions and the depth. That's also the schedule. Like when I say OU is going to be eleven and one team this year, I don't necessarily think they're going to be as good or better than Alabama and Ohio State. You can only play who's on the schedule, and I, I mean I think this OU team is going to be good. I think they're going to be better than last year's team, but it's not like OU has Arkansas schedule. To think that to look at OU schedule and call them a seven and five team, which you could convince me that Stuart Mandel didn't look at OU schedule and just said seven and five. There's no way, there's no way you can look at OU's schedule and say, yeah, that team's winning seven games. Especially, here's the thing too, man. Like, he doesn't really have anyone on OU's schedule emerging and having a fantastic year. Like, you would think if someone were to predict a sub-eight-win season, you would say, okay, well, that person thinks that Texas is going to have an amazing year. That person thinks Nebraska is finally going to break through and have an awesome year. That person thinks Oklahoma State is going to have a great year. He picks Texas to go 4-8. and eight. He picks Nebraska to lose to North Dakota. 
in week two of the season. So Yeah, it, they it, lose to an FCS team, but they beat yeah. us. Yeah, if you think that most of the teams on the schedule are going to be worse than what we project, like that makes it even more dumb of how you get to 7-5. and five. Yeah, it's, again, as we've spoken about, it's it's mainstream media, man. It's it's national media. They just don't know. That's why that's why you get your uh, news from uh, KREF. We at least know what we're talking about for the most part. And even if we don't, we certainly know it better than, I guess, than Stewie Mandel. And if if nothing else entirely, if even if we're completely uninformed, at least we aren't coming on here and just trying to you know, see how dumb you are by trying to convince you of things like OU is going to go seven and five. We have more respect for you guys than that. Yeah, he has OU playing one ten-win team this year, and it's Kansas State who he picks to win the league. So OU is only going to play one double-digit win team, Kansas State at ten and two. Still, they're going to lose five football games this year. This is the most incredible. Now, nah, incredible is not the word I want to use there. Uh, the most idiotic, I'll, I'll use that one, conference prediction I've seen. He's got Kansas State rolling off a 10-2 and and winning the league, Baylor and Oklahoma State at 9-3, and and then you've got Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Virginia at 7-5, and Tech at 5-7, and Kansas at 4-8. and He's got Texas finishing last in the league with a 2-7 and conference record and a 4-8 and overall record. That's funny, but... Stewart, that one is even dumb, and we all hate Texas here. Texas last fin- in the league? Yeah. He's got UT finishing last in the conference. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just uninformed. It's it's willfully ignorant. The, the He has – Mandel's been around long enough. He has information available to him. He's just – he's being willfully ignorant about this. I mean, te- being, picking Texas to win two games in conference this year is is you know, equally as dumb as picking us to go seven and five. Yeah, uh, someone from the nine one eight. Why even talk about the seven and five nonsense? These guys are looking for a reaction for the OU fan base, and that's a fair point. But I just want to call these people out. I don't want these people to throw out just stupid predictions and just get away with it. No, I I want for us to present this individual to all of you. We can all collectively call this person a moron and then laugh at this person at the end of the year when it was clearly a horrible take. I bring it up because I don't want to let them off the hook, Travis. That's why. I don't want anyone to forget that someone once thought, oh, you was going to lose five games this year in the regular season. Yeah, I definitely feel like we have a certain responsibility um, to, you know, point out what clowns these guys are. Because if not us, then who? Right? Someone's got I mean, to. Yeah, people on Twitter, people on Twitter for sure. But pe- these people need to know. Of course, he's he's on Twitter saying, "Oh, hold me accountable." What public execution? You want me like? No, just I don't know. I, I feel the same way that I feel about referees, um, I, umpires, any type of officials in any sport. I think there needs to be accountability across all uh, across all aspects of it. Officials. If you make the wrong call, you know, may, maybe there's a point system. Maybe you di- get dinged and don't get to, you know, officiate the next game. I agree human element is one thing, but and you don't want to go completely to robots, but there have been some egregious calls 
over the years. I mean, look at the I mean the infamous Oregon onside kick. You know the that that crew that gave Oregon the ball in that scenario. They all should have been docked a game after they all reviewed it. There should be accountability. And I know it's I know some people may say it's a bit harsh and say, oh, you know, these people have families to feed. They're human just like everybody else. Okay. Well, players have, you know, professional players at least, have families to feed. You don't think that, you know, they their, their income should be affected based on wins and losses and everything when officials aren't being held accountable? And I, I get that media can sometimes walk the line of entertainment versus information, and that's where Mandel lives. But there's got to be accountability in these things. Yeah. Uh, 580, over under three conference titles in the first ten years of the SEC. I got told I was absolutely out of my mind for saying that yesterday. Because you picked the over on three conference titles in ten years? (laughs) Over three conference titles in the first year of the SEC is going to be really, really tough. The past ten years, what I don't think anyone outside of Alabama – has been a repeat winner. Auburn won it in 2013. Georgia won it in 2017. LSU won it in 2019. I think Alabama's won seven out of the past ten SEC championships, and I know that we all think that, or at least I think, like we all believe that they're not slowing down anytime soon. So winning four in yeah, ten years, th- that, that's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, but really it comes down to – Okay, Saban's got eight more years. Say we go in in 2025, that's, you know, a few seasons into that contract. Say that's – it's it's really a race against the clock with Saban because if Saban retires, A, I mean, yeah, that job's going to be a big one, but nobody's just going to want to walk in and, and, and try and fill those shoes. Um, but – it, he's the greatest of all time, and I think I don't think many people are going to argue against that. His his record speaks for itself. His accomplishments do. Um, but when he leaves, there has to be a drop off. Like you can't be the greatest of all time, and then when you leave, you know it it, it stays it stays level. So I think everybody's kind of jockeying to be the the new Bama, right? And I think Oklahoma has as much right to that as anybody, don't they? I mean, Thad Turnipseed certainly thinks so. Yeah, they do. I just, I'm just i convinced that Saban's going to coach 25 more years and win 18 national championships out of the next 25 years. Kidding a little I bit, mean, of course. Yeah. I just I just feel like he's going to coach for longer than the eight-year contract that he got yesterday. I, I, it will, I, just, I, I, I do agree, though. The day that he retires, it will significantly change college football. I say that. It'll probably be the same teams in the four-team or eight-team or 12-team playoff that we play every single year. But Bama's not going to be Bama the day that he steps down. No, of, of course they weren't. But, I mean, he's 70 right now. And, I mean, he'll be 78. I mean, I get Joe Paul went to 84, but he was more of a figurehead at that point. I mean, he wasn't really, he wasn't really doing anything necessarily. I mean, it's kind of like... I don't know. I just, I don't know. How how long do you realistically think Saban coaches for? Re, like realistic, if you had to put money ten on ten years, it. I think he coaches ten more years. You think he coaches? You think he retires at eighty? Yeah. Miss Terry mm-hmm. makes him uh, retire to the lake house in Georgia when he turns eighty. Okay, Bobby Bowden retired at eighty. 
And then he sits um, out for one year, and he comes back to Bama and coaches 10 more years after that until he's 91. Oh, <laughs> oh man. A little, little, little fake retirement a la, a la Tom Brady. 10 man. years does sound crazy uh, to think he's coaching until his age. I just don't know what else he's going to do. I don't know what he – what else would he do? There's, there's the competition aspect of it. He is a machine, man. And I know 10 years sounds extreme. 10 more years at Alabama, seriously? He's just a football coach. He's a football guy. That's what he is. I don't know if he has any other identity. Well, he but, already but that. reached out. He already reached out after that Auburn loss. Well, I. Uh, to I, ESPN to set up yeah, the meeting. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to get a nice contract extension there. During that same time, didn't he allegedly. That, that was in the whole uh, Texas, you know, uh, rumor mill was going yeah. on that Miss Terry was looking at houses in. Uh, in Austin during that time. Yeah, I I, I like to. Uh, we got a text here from the the, the two eight one on the Air Comfort Solutions uh, text line. Uh, Bama has been building a Saban clone army. He'll never leave. You know, possibility. There, there's some Star Wars uh, references in there when uh, you know Palpatine is in the uh, in the vat where he just lives forever and he's controlling all these other people with his mind. Uh, it could it could be a situation like that where he's just got the mind control over over some new leader. But yeah, I, I just think at eighty, man, I just I can't see it. I, I think with his, I think with nil and everything like that, I think he is going to get tired of it. I mean, you he's more worked up this off season with Jimbo and this that and the other talking nil, talking how there's changes needed, all this kind of stuff. It's turning, I don't know. I, I think it's turning away from him a bit of where he wants it to be, I should say. And I don't know. I know he's going to still have success. He always. I will, hope that's right. I hope he doesn't coach for 10 more years. I, I really don't. number one class again this year, so it's not like he can't figure it out in the NIL era. I'm not saying that at all. But I think it's not quite I, – I don't think it's not quite as easy as, hey, just come, you know, come check out the rings and then sign on the dotted line like like it had been in the past. Yeah, 10 more years until Dabo's the head coach at Alabama. You heard it here first, Travis. 10 more years. We'll see what Dabo can do uh, without his coordinators. We'll see. There's a lot of question marks on that team. They are um, easily one of the most intriguing teams in the country this year because I think that is a giant question mark. I also think, too, man, that there's a real chance that Cade Klubnick is eventually their starter this year. And what I told Parker yesterday is, I think that it's going to be so much easier for Dabo to make that decision to go to the backup quarterback, seeing as, well, the last time that he did that, early in the season, they won a national championship that season. So it's worked out really nicely for them before. I don't think they'll hesitate to do it again if DJ Uyungale is, you know, has a slow start to the year. Yeah, I don't know. With, with, with both coordinators gone, with – yeah, with DJ, DJ was horrible last year. I mean, I mean, not horrible by like five star, like five star expectations. Legitimately horrible. So, yeah, I'm not 100 percent confident in him uh, coming back, and I think Klubnik, yeah, could absolutely take that spot. I don't think that's crazy at all. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. When we come back, the five toughest games for OU. For the 2022 season, we're 10 days away from kickoff, all right? We've got to address what the toughest games in the schedule are. We'll both give our list when we come back. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Opinions. You've got them. We want to hear them. 
Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. At Lander Chevrolet of Norman, we are truly driven to... Rush, just the rush. It's myself, Tyler McComas, and Travis Davidson. Travis will be with me every single Wednesday throughout football season as he fills in for Teddy on those Wednesdays. Travis and I will be together for pre and post game coverage of every OU football game this year as well. He's also at One Oak Field in Tulsa getting ready for the FC Tulsa game tonight where Travis. People in 918, or really anywhere, you got time, even if you're in Oklahoma City, two hours from the start of the game, you can get a free ticket and cheap beer. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to beat the free ticket, the cheap beer, and it is a beautiful night out here. I got the window open in the radio booth right now, and I'm glad I do. It is absolutely perfect down here in downtown Tulsa. If you haven't been out to an FC Tulsa game, they are a blast. Um, They're looking to make it three wins in a row. Uh, here at home, they've won three out of the last four. They're still, uh, uh, you know, in the playoff hunt. So come check it out. All you got to do is tell the ticket office, Travis sent me. Those three words, Travis sent me, and you will get a free ticket to tonight's game. And, yes, like Tyler mentioned, it is dollar beer night. So can't beat it. Beautiful weather. Bring the fam out. Absolutely. Uh, I'll actually get to uh, one text here. Hardest OU games this year says Baylor 1, Oklahoma State 2, Kansas State 3, Nebraska 4, Texas 5. I appreciate the list. My list is uh, vastly different, though, from that one. Here's what I have, Travis. Top five toughest games for OU football this year. At number five, I'm going at Iowa State in Ames on that Saturday. Not a Thursday game anymore. At Iowa State on a Saturday They're going to have a different-looking roster with a new quarterback. Maybe that may be a good thing. But that could be a tricky game for OU on a Saturday in Ames. I think it's the fifth toughest game on the schedule. Yeah, and I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, that is more of a trap game in your mind uh, because we play Baylor the next week because we're coming off a bye uh, going going, uh, at Iowa State. So, Really, when you look at, you know, the game after Kansas, you expect to be healthy. And then the game, even after a bye, we get both of those. Iowa State, I don't know. It's not in my top five. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm disagreeing on that one. At number four, I got the Kansas State game at home. I think Kansas State got a chance if Adrian Martinez is good at quarterback. He's kind of seemingly what they want to have at QB. Big year from Deuce Vaughn should be coming. They got the preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And the spot, man, if you go to Nebraska and you win that game handily, you got to turn around against Kansas State, who's going to be super physical. They feel like they had the blueprint to beat you. That Kansas State game's at four for me, but mostly because it's in a, in a tricky spot there in late September. Yeah, Kansas State would be would be right in that 3-4 range for me. Again, I think most people nationally are looking at Kansas State as a sexy sleeper pick, um, but it's it's hard to be a sleeper pick when you got Deuce Vaughn uh, toting the rock. Uh, that dude is a matchup nightmare. So I agree that is definitely uh, worthy of being in the top four, no doubt. Number three, 
is at Nebraska. Not because I think Nebraska is the third best team on the schedule. Far from it, actually. Far from the third best team on the schedule. But Nebraska is top three for me because of the spot that it falls. It's week three of the season. It's your first true road test. Um, I don't worry about Dylan Gabriel in a big-time environment. He'll be just fine. But whenever Nebraska's best is, we've talked about this over and over again, you will get it at 11 a.m. in Lincoln, Nebraska. The Nebraska that you see throughout the rest of the course of the season will not be the same Nebraska that's in week three in Lincoln. This is going to be a tough football game. I think it's a top three tough game for OU. Yeah, it's it's really where we're going to find out the most, right? I think we can agree on that. I think it's the first test. It's you should have all of your kind of your two deep really figured out by then, for the most part at least. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't I think I might have Nebraska somewhere. I think at five, and and I know that the 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 text line, the Air Comfort Solution text line, raked me over the coals about my thoughts on Scott Frost, but I truly. I truly have no confidence in him as a head coach. I think Nebraska can do a lot better, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sold on Casey Thompson without those elite weapons that he had at Texas. The second toughest game on the schedule this year. It'll be later in the year. It will be a home game, but it's going to be against the best team that you play this year, November 5th at home against Baylor. Baylor's going to be super physical again with a really good offensive line and a good running game. The defense will be pretty good by then in late November. It all depends on the quarterback. That's going to be a tough game for OU in early November against Baylor. That home game's the second toughest game you're going to play, IMO. Yeah, I think I think it's top two. <laughs> I certainly think it's top two. I mean, they're, they are the kings of the Big 12 until otherwise, uh, you know, otherwise defeated. So, yeah, I think Baylor – Top two tough game. I would probably have them at number one just because nobody's really been able to dominate a Dave Aranda team uh, really since he's been at Baylor, at least consistently. So I'd probably put them at my number one. But, yeah, number two, I got no, I got no problem with that. And at number one, eye roll worthy, but you got to say it. And if you don't say it, everyone <sighs> will remind you, oh, hell, Texas is always the toughest game of the year. How many times have you – Heard that in your lifetime out there. But it is. It's true. Even when they're bad, it's a tough game. Look at last year as the example. The year before that, the year before that, the year before that. The last time someone in the OU Texas game won by double digits, I you got to go all the way back to 2013 when Texas won 36-20. That, that's how close this matchup has been recently. Even when OU's been a playoff team. And Texas has been a terrible 5-7 and seven team. Texas has found ways at times to upset OU. It's annoying. I don't think Texas will be a great team this year. But by God, in second Saturday of October, they will be. As always, and I hate saying it, but it's true, Texas is this year the toughest game on the schedule once again. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really crazy, isn't it? Because you hear a lot of the... Oh, throw the records out whenever, throw the rankings, throw the records out when these two teams meet. It's it's definitely cliche, and it's something you hear from, you know, broadcasters and whatnot, but it's 100% true when it comes to this game, and it cannot be explained. It, it cannot be explained. No, no rational person can sit there and say, well, 
this team is one of the best teams in the country, and this team isn't one of even the best teams in the conference, isn't even one of the best teams in their state. Um, but yet, again, close game, close game, close game. It's it's inexplicable, but in, until it changes, you you absolutely have to put it uh, near the top in your toughest games. You know, the last time I've walked out of the Cotton Bowl and said, hey, you know what? Oh, you played really well today. Dang, they were, they were kind of hitting on all cylinders. That was a really good performance by OU. I think that was back in 2012. Now, they ran Texas that day in the Cotton Bowl by multiple, multiple, multiple scores, but it's been about 10 years. Like OU's clearly won their fair share of those games in the past 10 years, but really every time that you've walked out of the place, you're saying, golly, that was, that was stress-filled. Uh, we, we didn't play our best game today. We, we found a way to win. But, man, that was a stressful game, and we might have been lucky to win. It's, it's been a while, man, since I've walked out of there saying, yeah, not only did OU win, but, dang, they played really well today. Yeah, what's interesting is I know uh, your regular Wednesday listeners uh, are used to Teddy, so I will, uh, in, in, in Teddy's absence, I will say, what's your beef with Oklahoma State? You don't think Oklahoma State's going to be uh, in the top five toughest games? No, I don't. Um I think that they're right outside that, but that game is – it's the final home game of the year, right? Yes, it is. And, and I put Baylor there, so it kind of contradicts it a little bit. I, I just think at that point – the Baylor game's in early November, Oklahoma State game in later November. I just think at that point of the year, OU's going to be rolling, man. And I just – I think they'll be good defensively. I like their D-line. But I don't think that they're going to be as good defensively as they were last year. And I am not a, I'm not a Spencer Sanders believer, man. I, I never really have been. And I, I think that they're going to have to lean on him more in the air, through the air this year, which I, I think is, that doesn't equal good news for Oklahoma State. I, yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think they'll be a good football team this year. I, I just see that as a game, last home game of the year. That crowd that night, or really that morning, probably 11 a.m., that's going to be a, a different atmosphere in Norman. It may be the last time you play them for a while. You got beat by them last year, everything that happened. I guess I'm just cooking in that the crowd's going to be insane, OU's going to be a really good team by then, and they're going to play really well that day with everything that I think will be on the line. That's why. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can buy into that. I do I do agree The with Jim Knowles gone and with all of that, fifth-year senior type of guy that's gone. Malcolm Rodriguez, gone. He's been looking really good um, in what little we've seen in, in preseason from him and the Lions. Um, yeah, I think they'll – I think, again, their defensive line is going to be good. But, yeah, relying on Spencer Sanders can never be a recipe for too much success. I think, I think he's really regressed every year since he's been there, if you kind of look statistically. So, uh, yeah, interesting. It's There's a little bit of the – I don't know, that, that rivalry, throw out the records, not quite as dramatic as we see with Texas. But there's, a, there's still a little bit of that, you know. There's, there's, there's that wild card factor of it being the rivalry. Doc says Baylor 1, Kansas State 2, uh, Texas 3, Bedlam 4, Nebraska 5. I have no faith in Scott Frost and very little in Sark, and expect OSU to take a couple of steps back defensively. And much like Tyler, I doubt Spencer Sanders. Uh, this one for the 918. Come on, Tyler. OU Texas will not be close. 
Brent is back, 63-14-OU. The approval rating right now for Brent Venables is as close. It'll never be higher. It is as close to 100% as you can get. If they beat Texas 63-14, to oh, my God, Travis. Might elect him to office. I'm, yeah, he, yeah, he could uh, he could run for governor. It's it's funny because uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe once uh, said in an interview, um, you know, he was talking about his his newfound fame as as Harry Potter as playing Harry Potter in the movies. Uh, he said, "Yeah, I could have. Uh, you know, there were a bunch of fans out there. I could have led a march uh, on Parliament right there." Is what he said. He said, "I could have, and they would have followed me, and we could have, you know, attempted to overthrow the government." And and I think that's where I think I think Brent Venables, you beat Texas that bad, and I think he could just be like, "All right, we're just I'm going to be governor now. Let's just go. It, let's just go take it over." It, and everybody would just follow. It doesn't matter if they were a three and nine football team or even winless going to the Cotton Bowl, Travis. Everyone would be super matter. nervous going into that game. And if you beat Texas that bad, oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, and how nostalgic would it be, too? The same score as the 2000 game. Brent was a part of the 03 beatdown, or the 2000 beatdown, the 03 beatdown, the 04 shutouts, the 2011 beatdown, and the 2012 beatdown. So he's been a part of, like, five beatdowns or shutouts in the series. In his first year back, if he were to throw up a number like that, yeah, that's that's nostalgic. Um, one more. Firmly believe Baylor is the toughest one. Texas is headed for a massive implosion, maybe on an unseen scale. I agree with that. I, I, I think that that could happen too. But we all have to remember, they could have a massive implosion before the OU game. We've seen it happen before. But somehow they're going to rally and actually put together a decent 60 minutes in Dallas. It's so annoying and infuriating, but you know it's going to happen at the same time. Yeah, we've just seen it too many times. And again, yeah, it's the the nostalgia would would hit nicely. I, but I honestly don't. I don't think, I don't think that Brent Venables' approval rating, if we're if we're looking at it from just a numerical standpoint, can get any higher than it currently is. I mean, there there are people that are are thinking, hey, the national championship is uh, is on the table. Really? It's on the table. Whoa. I mean, we, man. I mean, I've seen it. I'm hey. like, uh, all right. I don't know, man. Let's, let's pump, pump. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I get accused of sunshine pumping, but I'm not. <laughs> my, my, uh, my pump runs out of sunshine uh, slightly before we get to the national championship talk. Texas is busting out a rookie and injured uh, and, and injured O line, also a rookie quarterback. Ask OU 2005 how that looks. OU comfortably in the Red River rivalry game. Uh, okay, I'll yeah, take, you're right, text line, sorry. He wasn't part of 2012. It 2011 was his last year. Yeah, my bad. So, but still, that's four yeah. of them. That's, that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good number in that rivalry with the uh, success that he's had there. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. You know the number, Air Comfort Solutions text line. A couple of more segments remaining on this Wednesday. Keep it locked on the ref.
It is the rush on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Air Comfort Solutions text line if you want to hop in, 405-651-3439. Travis is getting ready for the FC Tulsa game at One Oak Field starting at 730. Uh, you can get a free ticket and cheap beer to the game. Travis is about to tell you how you can do that. Um, first off, an admission, I've never been inside One Oak Field. True story. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's heard, gorgeous. I I've mean, heard it's awesome. You got the skyline of downtown right there. I mean, you've got. I mean, it's right next to um, you know the Greenwood District, uh, old Black Wall Street. Um, it's it's beautiful. They built these awesome condos right across from it um, that can see all the games. They do fireworks often. I mean, it's it really is a a nice ball field. And uh, um, yeah, they've got the soccer set up. Uh, I know FC Tulsa is working on. Uh, building their own stadium down across the river, kind of the Oktoberfest area. Uh, I hope I didn't uh, – I, th- I know they're looking at that. I hope I didn't break any news I wasn't supposed to. But, uh, um, yeah, so exciting night out here. Dollar Beers, they're doing that Wednesday and Saturday. And, again, free tickets. All you have to do is walk up to the ticket office, say, Travis sent me, and they will hand you a free ticket, each person. So it's not like one ticket for the entire family, like each – family member walk up say hey travis sent me too there you go free ticket so get the whole family out um they are on a try looking to make it three straight one three out of the last four uh really quality uh soccer being played out here with the usl team you know i'm looking at the map right now of our ref app kref in the app store we got listeners in hayward california travis st louis missouri ontario canada and even Gainesville, Florida. Um, I wonder who's trying to spy on what's going on in Gainesville, Florida right now. We did talk about Billy Napier earlier. I wonder if uh, that sent some of the Gator staff. I, I guarantee you, man, with as many staff members that they've hired, they have to have one that's dedicated to each radio station in a college market. They have to. Oh, I'm sure. And and I think uh, when you checked on the old app map, I think it was on Locked In. I think you had uh... – I think you had a listener from Columbus, Ohio. So yes, we, we've got some people joining us from behind enemy lines, and uh, couldn't be more grateful for you guys. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, dots around the Los Angeles area every single time I check it. I know there's a lot of OU fans out on the West Coast. I, I even know a few of those, but always interested to see or interesting to see so many listeners out there in the LA area. Um, we're single digits away from kickoff starting tomorrow, nine days away tomorrow. Running back is still one of the more, maybe the most intriguing position for this team going into the season. Eric Gray's running back number one. I I feel very good saying that. But I guess Javante Barnes has been kind of nicked up throughout training camp. It feels like it's kind of anyone's game right now to be the number two back. There's three or four backs that are in consideration for that. Yeah, I think what surprises me most, and, and maybe it's it's foolish of me, but the emergence of Gavin Sawchuk in that kind of uh, trio of backs that are kind of being rumored to be that RB2. Uh, you know, Sawchuk didn't get here. Obviously, uh, Marcus Major, he's in his fourth year at Oklahoma, so the, the physical side has never really been in question. He's, he's been a grown man. He's been a college-ready guy for a long time now. Um, Javante Barnes comes in as an early enrollee, looks the part immediately, and the word is, oh, Gavin Sawchuk, you know, when he gets here, he's going to have to put on some weight. He's going to have to get college ready. Well, that happened 
in like two weeks is what it felt like. So yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's definitely a situation where those three are in the running. It it sounded like Javante Barnes at least through spring kind of had the had the leg up, but again, as you mentioned, being nicked up's kind of opened up the door uh, for especially Marcus Major. Yeah, I Marcus Major's in the mix, and we've you know kind of joked and played around with the people saying, uh, "Uh oh, here comes the Marcus Major fan club on the text line. Here they come, all, all rooting for." But he's he's got a chance, man. But it's 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 Eric Gray's running back core to at least start the season. And you, Parker, and I kind of did our preseason uh, projections during Locked In today. How how many passing yards for Dylan Gabriel, leading receiver, all that. We all had Eric Gray as the leading receiver, and did we all have him over a thousand yards, or did you have him just under a thousand yards? I think I had him at eleven hundred. I think I had him at nine eighty. Specifically, due to the depth of the running back room. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're just right under that, but yeah, Eric Gray. I also think he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He he ton. will. I, I think that they're a going ton. to rediscover. You know, just dumping down to the running back at times is actually a pretty yeah, good play. His all his all purpose yards, I think are going to are, are they, I think are going to be up there. But I, I do think his just traditional handoff running, you know, rushing yards, official rushing yards are going to be just shy of a thousand. Uh, of course, Tyler hasn't been to a place that involves Tulsa sports. This one says just SMH. Hey, I've uh, I've I've done the next best thing. I've hosted a post game show for OU basketball at a bar that is literally right across the field from One Oak. Does that count? And I've been in the BOK Center for a massive win for OU hoops over Arkansas when Arkansas could even hang in the second half that day. That should count for something. And you've been to Trey's Bar and Grill to do radio That's as well, true. you know. That's true. And so. I, I will be at TU because OU plays at TU, I think, next year, correct? I think, I think they do. Right. I th- they play yeah. Georgia at home, and I think they play at Tulsa. And I'll, I'll definitely be up there for that. I haven't been to Chap- Chapman Stadium either. I'm guessing there's not – I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I'm guessing that it's not labeled as one of the Sistine Chapels of college football, Chapman Stadium. No, uh, no. Some of some of my uh, fondest memories, though, uh, are watching the Union Jinx games growing up. We they they wouldn't fit in either stadium, uh, so we had to play them at TU, and that was a blast. I mean, they were they were selling out TU Stadium uh, with just the high school games, and it was fascinating. Kiwan Jones ripped my heart out. Uh, I think I was in eighth grade at the time, uh, but Kiwan Jones was dominant for Jinx and led one of the more impressive uh, game-winning plays, I guess. Not even game-winning drives, really. It was just a game-winning play. And, yeah, yeah, old eighth-grade Travis had his heart broken. Mm. Maybe the best Union Jinx game ever was that day. God, was, that doesn't make it any easier for you, I know, but just, just nope, saying. Nope, nope. <laughs> Still sucks. Uh, some uh, OU in the NFL news real quick before we hit a break. I guess Buki was waived today by the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, ne- neither of these news bits are any good, so sorry about that. Buki waived by the Bengals, and Ronnie Perkins is on IR with the Patriots. So, a couple and of tough news Jeremiah there. Hall, Jeremiah Hall cut from the Giants as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bummer because, it. I mean, aside from the obvious that you want, you know, OU guys to, to make the teams, but he was really – I thought I, there, was a, there was an injury to – um, in in his position group to the guy ahead of him, uh, I think he had a broken forearm, maybe, 
if I have that right. And they thought he's going to be out for some time, so maybe Jeremiah might make the team and, and be the starter there for a while. Um, but the Giants, not one of the better-run football organizations of our uh, of the last decade or so. So, shockingly, cuts the guy that was actually, if the season started today, would be a starter on your team. But, yeah. Yeah, let's hope Jeremiah Hall can, uh, can find somewhere because – he was one of the most well-liked players on the team over the course of the past, you know, four years or so. So, And I think he will. I mean, there yeah, were a lot of fans. So. When you go to the Giants' uh, kind of Twitter and when they announced the, you know, the cuts and everything, a lot of them, I mean, not, not just OU fans, and there are a lot of Giants fans that were really bummed about it. So hopefully he gets, uh, hopefully he gets another shot soon. Final segment of The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.